Seinfeld, the bizarro Jerry is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post show recap. And now here are the two guys who never eat at Reggie's. I'm Rob Sister. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? Uh, how's it going? I, I thought you were going to say two guys who don't have man hands. <laughs> That's, that would have been better. Let's do it again. Let's go back. <laughs> Let's do it again. Uh, anyway, uh, Keith, excited to get into a very fun episode from season eight here of Seinfeld Bizarro Jerry. Yeah, absolute classic. Um, you know, a lot of fun. I think it's the episode I know the best. I think I've seen it, you know, upwards of 25, 30 times. It, it's always on. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's so much going on, but it's uh, it's such a classic episode. I, I really love it. And it's some of these episodes you we say afterwards, like it's really good. But when like some of the surprises of like the one or two great gags are ruined, it's not the same. Whereas here, like you pick up more things every time you watch it, I think. Yeah, this is really fun. Is there one particular storyline that you like the best here? I mean, I, I, you know, it's probably the one of the least famous, but I do love Kramer working at Brant Leland. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Uh, to me, I do feel like it's a little reminiscent of when George didn't know if he was hired and was working on the Penske file for a week. Uh, somewhat of a similar idea where he's sort of like working at a company that he was not necessarily knowing if he was employed at. Where Kramer obviously is working at a company he doesn't know if he's employed at, but a lot of fun to be had here. Definitely. Okay. Keith, uh, anything you want to touch on before we jump into talking Bizarro Jerry? Not really. I mean, people, a few people emailed me, say, hey, can I get an update on camping? I guess I survived. There's not really much to update. Yeah. Wow. People are really like hanging on the details of uh, your day to day life, Keith. I think I paint such a picture of being a hermit. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what your wife says. Yeah. That I think people were, were legitimately shocked that I went camping once and hopefully it'll be like my daughter would say like okay next time we're gonna be because we forgot to like pack warm clothes so i was shivering to the point where i was shaking all night um and so it was miserable and my daughter was like oh next time we're gonna bring more warmer clothes and i was like there's never a next time <laughs> like next time i'm dead then you can go you know on my Do whatever you want right there. yeah yeah okay well uh very excited to uh jump into this so why don't we start off with uh jerry and george talking about uh, you know it's interesting in season eight we have no stand-up but we sort of have like conversation that have nothing to do with the story between last week talking about oh can you get a nail clipper in jail oh i'd like to go to jail this week we're talking about would you rather go and be abducted by the aliens i know you don't care for the aliens keith why? Because there's two like Star Wars related. Yeah, Is that what you're saying? yeah. You don't like yeah. anything sci-fi. That's right. No ET. No Star Wars. No Star Trek. None of that. Stuff. Yeah. Is there anything that you would watch that you like that has an alien in it? I mean, I saw like Starship Troopers. And you like? I that. watched that. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. I'm sure there. I saw uh, Space Balls. Yeah. That, is that aliens? Um, I think there's people on other planets. There's you know interstellar coneheads. Yeah, coneheads. Okay, they're aliens. <laughs> yeah. So. Jerry and George are talking about if the aliens came and abducted you and took you to their planet, would you rather be in their zoo or their circus? I mean, for me, I don't even think this is close. Keeve, do you have a take on this zoo or circus? Oh, this is 100 percent. Everyone has to say circus. The zoo's a lot of work. Oh, really? I am 100 percent the zoo. No, I, the circus is a lot of work. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, OK. I was going to say the zoo because the circus is a lot of work. Yeah, obviously, I wouldn't want to go on like the train with like the stinky elephants. Right. And then that, although I don't know in the alien circus, I guess you're the elephant, right? Yeah. Like there are no elephants in space, are there? Right. I mean, who knows? 
But, you know, I'm sure there's like some sort of like blackfish documentary about how humans are treated in the alien circus. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, there's protests and there's like, uh, uh, you know, instead of PETA, it's uh, aliens for the ethical treatment of people. <laughs> yeah. so it's like, yep. Uh, but the uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the zoo, you just sit there like George says, maybe they give you like a lady person in there. Um, you know, you're on display, but like people leave the zoo a lot, like every night mm -hmm. they're not there. You have some privacy, like maybe if you go behind a big rock or you have a cave, the, the circus is like a lot of work. You're going from like planet to planet. Yeah. And, you know, and like putting on a show and it, it just and, like there's a lot of clowns. We're both afraid of clowns. That's not fun. Right. Alien clowns, no less. Alien clowns. Those are super scary. Right. And Jerry says, well, you get to travel. I mean, at least it's show business. I mean, George talks about you get to make your own schedule. Maybe they put a woman in there to mate. Um, and a good line from George. Uh, Jerry says, well, what if she's not into you? He's like, well, then I'm no better off than I am now. Yeah, that's true. He comes out even. Yeah. So. 100% uh, Team George in uh, Alien Zoo or Alien Circus. So Kramer, Jerry, and George are going into an office building somewhere where George claims it's the uh, best bathroom in Midtown. Obviously, I'm not sure if this is canon or not in the Curb Your Enthusiasm Seinfeld 10-year reunion they have where George has invented an app which now contains all of this information. But George is very much on top of the best bathrooms in New York. Yeah, this is the precursor to the eye toilet. It can't be canon because Curb Your Enthusiasm exists in a world where Seinfeld is fake. Hmm. Like Jason Alexander exists in Curb, not George Costanza. That's true. So, so hmm. I don't know. Like, is there canon of a, sh you know what I mean? I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, that's a really interesting a philosophical discussion. So uh, I would say we haven't had this in, in months and months and months. This is really near the top of the list of a question we need to ask Jerry. Is this a Jerry question? I feel like it's a Larry question. It involves oh, Curb well, way more than it, Jerry. It, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. This is a Larry question. Yeah. When we have Jerry on, we'll ask him other stuff. Right. Are the events that take place in the Curb Your Enthusiasm Seinfeld reunion canon to the Seinfeld universe? Right. Does it work backwards? Mm -hmm. Knowing that obviously nothing that happens in Seinfeld is canon in Curb because in Curb, Larry's a rich guy who's rich because he created Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very interesting discussion. So Kramer needs to use the bathroom there in uh, this place. And where now where were they that they just had to like, uh, hey, let's all just stop up to this office building. Right. They couldn't have been at Monk's because they're in Midtown now. Right. He says best bathroom right. in Midtown. I, were they going to like a mid uh, like a date like a matinee movie? Maybe. Is that possible? I don't know. And how did George stumble upon this place in the first place? I mean, George has been unemployed a lot. He goes on job interviews. He just walks around the city aimlessly. He may have done years of research into these types of things. Right. Nowadays, would you need a key for this bathroom? I mean, I, are there more keys? I, I Yeah, but you might have a, a building with more lax security than, uh, you know, than some others. But probably. But you could probably you might get a key from a secretary. You might be like, there's a lot of mixed office buildings, right? Mm -hmm. That it's like, you know, five companies in one. You just be like, hey, I'm with, you know. You just look at the board. Hey, I'm uh, new. I'm with uh, Mackenzie. Give me uh, the key, please. All right. So there is an attractive secretary that works at this company. And George is going to, I guess, try to ask her out. Jerry says to use his engagement story. And George is scared. He can't do it. He can't bring up the story about Susan that has died. That that was the story that tested so well. That was the best testing story that Jerry figured out. 
Yeah, he's too intimidated by this very attractive woman. Yeah. And so ultimately uh, that he chickens out and uh, we'll come back later. Meanwhile, Elaine is back at Reggie's and here is Kevin again from last week. Uh, yeah, Kevin, uh, second final appearance. He is uh, somewhat less likable in this episode. Yeah. And again, we discussed last week about how Kevin very open to the power of suggestion. And I guess he still has that in the first scene. But then he seems almost completely inflexible then from this point on. Yeah, he becomes a different person. Maybe it's like Jerry is not peer pressured by George and Kramer. Mm-hmm. So maybe Ke- maybe Kevin is like, he, you know, a lot of this episode is like, you know, Jerry has his bad qualities and Kevin has the reverse of them. Right. He has that. He has his good qualities. But obviously we find out at the end that the opposite is true also. So here it's like, you know, Jerry, uh, you know, anything that, that Jerry does well Kevin does poorly, and this is, I guess, an example of it, that he's sort of acts cool in front of uh, Feldman and uh, and uh, fake George's uh, Gene. Gene. Yeah. So Elaine says we should be friends, and Kevin just immediately jumps, yes, friends. Oh, like you and Jerry. Oh, okay, great. So I don't know if maybe he's just so quick to adopt this because it's somewhat like what Jerry is doing, but you would think that he would want to be enemies with Elaine because that's the opposite of Jerry. Yeah. Also, remember, Kevin needs a woman for their group like this group does not have an Elaine. There's no opposite Elaine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So he's sort of de- like friend is like, oh, perfect. You could be our in our core four. Yeah. What would Bizarro Elaine be like? It's a good question. Yeah. Well, in this episode, she'd have really good hair. <laughs> Keeves, you got you can't keep going on with this hair. <laughs> well, no, this is going to get me. complaints. We didn't, did we get any complaints last week? Mm, I thought there was uh, some Twitter commentary. No formal complaints. I think, no, no, no. I don't think anyone wrote in a formal complaint. Uh, no, I, listen, in this episode, her hair is intentionally bad. It's not, you know, it's sort of a relic of last week. So I'm not insulting Julia. This is like last week it was bad as a joke, and it's not back to normal until next week or the week after that, you know? Yeah. Why? Um, her hair is back to the l- normal length in a week? No, but it's like it's not as wild as it is this week. Okay, all right. I think that she cut her hair. I mean, it seems like that this wasn't necessarily for the show that she got her hair cut. And I think that maybe they just don't know how to style it yet. That's possible. I don't think it's intentionally. Um, In terms of what would be different about Elaine, should be a really good dancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we find out next week. She Um, wouldn't push people. Yeah, no pushing people. Like no physical. She'd say, "Get in, get in here." Yeah, yeah. Give him a hug. Yeah, give him a hug. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, she'd, uh, you know, maybe, um, you know, almost like um, very prude. Very prude. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, not into the sponge. No, no sponges. <laughs> right. No birth control at all. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Loves kids. Loves kids. Let's fly. Right. Right. That's right. <laughs> Bizarre. That's, what, that's what happened to Bizarro Elaine, that she had kids and she just left the group. Oh, that's true. Bizarro Elaine has like eight kids and lives on Long Island with those friends from last week. <laughs> okay. So Kramer comes out of the bathroom and he gets sucked into uh, a problem with the copier. Kramer seems to have some sort of expertise with uh, flat parts of the roller of the copier. Yeah. And, and I guess that's enough to make you a full-fledged member of the company. Yeah. And so he ends up getting pulled into a meeting in the conference room. Come on, let's go. Yeah, nobody notices the CEO of this seemingly relatively small company does not notice. Yeah, Leland needs Kramer in there. All right, so back at Monk's, Elaine and Jerry and George are talking, and 
Jerry is being propositioned by Elaine to go out with her friend Jillian. She writes for L.L. Bean. And we have this sort of idea of like it's her baseball card that it's like she has like some sort of like modeling photo. And Elaine has put her stats on the back of this photo. It's a little weird, right? I mean, it's convenient or maybe inconvenient because like people should be noticing it during the episode. But um, yeah, it's it's, uh, a little interesting that when she says like I have her stats, but maybe she doesn't know her. Like she calls her a friend, but maybe she doesn't know her so well. She was sort of interviewing her like, oh, I'm going to pitch this to Jerry. Keith, let me throw this out as a hot take and you tell me if I'm alone on an island. So Jillian, man hands aside, forget man hands. uh, Were you buying that Jillian is such a model that everybody is looking at her photo and being like, oh, my God, you were dating her. Do you think Amanda should like they should have switched actresses like Amanda should have been the model? I mean, I think that just Jillian just seems like totally replacement level Seinfeld girlfriend. I don't know if there was anything that was absolutely stunning about her that people would look at her photo and be like, oh, she was she's a model. Yeah. Um, uh, Jillian's real name, Kristen Bauer von Staten. How many Twitter followers does Kristen have? Does uh, 12 have 262,000? Wow. From what? From she's man like hands? Big, no, she's a big star. For what? Uh, she's on like Once Upon a Time and a lot of different shows. Uh, no, I hope I don't get people mad at me for that. No, nobody knows her. She's not famous. She's but she's got um, 262,000 Twitter followers. I mean, she's not like really famous. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, you should know who she is. I'd never heard of her other than, you know, I mean, still like she I'm sure she's more famous for being man hands than uh, Maleficent on 11 episodes of once upon a time no people take that um, very seriously the once upon a time yeah but the, but the other than like the four million people who watch it no one's ever heard of it <laughs> you know it's one of those shows it's not like i wouldn't know it existed if uh, like other than um she's also pam from true blood she said okay uh you have to go down like many dozens of tweets before there's not one about like her being a vegan okay all right <laughs> Uh, so what are you going to do? Uh, I feel like uh, I guess I was just not impressed. By the way, one one more odd Twitter fact uh, I, I, on both Kristen and Jillian and Amanda's Twitter page. It's like very elephant heavy. Almost every one of their tweets is about like treating elephants properly, treating elephants properly. One, we just like made a joke about. But two, it's like it's weird that they're like the two main actresses in this. And that's their like big thing. OK, like not just PETA stuff, but like specifically elephants. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, she used to be on uh, True Blood. I, I used to I used to watch her on that. So I had no idea that was Man Hands. Mm-hmm. So did she die? Like, did people die in, in True Blood instead of like vampire stuff? She just squeezed them and choked them to death with her man hands. No, she was just one of the vampires. So you know, uh, she's had a very steady career, been on a lot of things. Yeah, I see a long IMDb page here. Good for her. Good, for, good for her. Yeah, and so that she has a lot of different stats, and so uh, Jerry is going to go out with her, and George wants to grab the picture. He says that this is what he needs for this engagement story. It seems like that that without a woman reacting to this, it does seem like this is like a bit of a leap for George. It is a bit of a leap. And also, like, I don't know if this is dated, but just the idea that, like, it needs to be a picture of Jillian, that she's the most beautiful person on Earth. And I mean, obviously, his his second attempt is stupid for many reasons. But, like, you can't just find a picture of another beautiful woman and, like, crop it to a small picture. 
and keep going. Like it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he figures that if he shows people this picture, then it will be like his hand has already been stamped by the attractive women club, which he doesn't really know exists yet. So then he will be able to date any woman he chooses with the story of how Susan died. Um, yeah, I mean, like, right. How does he even have this information since he's never been in this club before? You're asking. It's a fair point. Yeah. And I feel like that this probably maybe short of asking out Marissa Tomei a day after Susan died, uh, probably the most heinous thing George has done uh, concerning Susan's death. Right. Using her name, but not even think she's attractive enough to use her image. Yes. Yes. Although using her image might be worse if you really think about it. Yeah. Also in this conversation, Elaine discusses about how she broke up with Kevin. And the good news is he's fine with it. He wants to be friends and he is going to go to the Museum of Miniatures with Elaine. Uh, yeah, because Jerry would never go to the Museum of Miniatures. They're too small. Yeah. Yeah. Keith, what would it take to get you to go to the Museum of Miniatures? I mean, I don't I'm not like a big museum goer. I don't think Museum of Miniatures sounds especially terrible compared to a lot of other museums. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd rather go to Museum of Miniatures than Museum of Modern Art. And I don't understand what's going on there. Right. The best thing for me about the Museum of Miniatures, I feel like you can get through it quickly. If you had to go to it, I feel like, totally. boy, what would it take? 10 minutes to get through the Museum of Miniatures? Okay, I saw yeah, everything. Then, you think the whole museum is miniature, though? I don't think I so. I don't think the whole thing is is miniature, but how many miniature things could they have? I mean, like, I don't know, infinite. But yeah, you're probably right. It's probably a pretty quick uh, run through. Right. Like, I went to Legoland, and they had like, oh, here's all the seven wonders of the world in miniature. And, and I looked at it in five minutes. Um, And then you were gone? Five minutes and you were done? Well, I wasn't done with Legoland, but I was done with that part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To me, it's pretty, pretty similar. Like if your kids are there and they're enjoying it, there's worse activities you could be doing with your kids. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's also a little bit of banter between George and Elaine about how Elaine says, oh, we're gonna have to move the whole Forbidden City uh, because she's a member of the attractive women's club. And, uh, you know, just some uh, some fun folksy uh, back and forth. Yeah. Uh, It's a real hot take by Elaine that like, I mean, I'm not saying she's not, but. Just assuming that she's a member is like pretty confident of Elaine. Yeah, I think Elaine does that. I think that she uh, maybe uh, potentially uh, has a very high opinion of herself. Yeah, I think I think that's consistent with her character. Yeah. Okay. so George goes back to the secretary up at the office. Uh, Leland, is that the name of the office? The uh, the company? Yeah. Brant Leland. Brant Leland. And so he says he has a meeting with Art Vandalay. Uh, suddenly, uh, yeah, I guess the woman doesn't recognize him as being somebody who's just standing in the lobby the other day. I mean, you think she's going to she's the secretary, the receptionist. Actually, a lot. You know what? A lot of places call their receptionist now. What? I think it's uh, like director of first impressions. People are calling director this. of first impressions. Yeah, that's insane. Well, what are you hating on secretaries? No, I'm saying that I, I'm the opposite of hating on secretaries I, that I feel like, uh, you know, uh, assistant secretary did nothing wrong with these titles, but director of first impressions. Yeah, that's what people are calling them now. That's not like a greeter at like Old Navy. No, it's like the person. Let's say you have a big company. It's like the person who greets you when you walk in. Like there might be personal secretaries. This is more of like the entire company secretary. Like, you know, who like the first person you see. They might not be someone's personal assistant. They're more of like a general overall uh, you know, secretary. This might be like a millennial type thing where you have somebody who's like a young person, but they don't want they'll, they'll be insulted if you tell them that they're going to be the receptionist. So it's like, you're not receptionist. You're the director of first impressions. Like, oh, oh all right. Good. Good. 
That's that's more right, like right. And I imagine it's like Facebook probably has one, whereas you know, like J.P. Morgan Chase probably has you know a secretary or a receptionist who's been there for right. like forty or receptionist who's been there for like forty seven years. <laughs> okay. Right. It's probably the millennial owned companies have these directors. Probably I would think so. Okay. And if we have a director of first impressions correspondent, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, no, no doubt. <laughs> All right. So George is trying to uh, open up conversation with Amanda and he ends up saying that, oh, he drops a photo and it is my fiance. She died. And she says, oh, she's beautiful. Um, yeah. And I guess just seeing a picture of this fiance is enough for Amanda to uh, be willing to go out with George. Yes. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Kramer walks through and he's like in this heated conversation with uh, one of the guys at Leland and uh, talks about how, you know, uh, you don't sell the steak, you sell the sizzle. So Kramer is having a, a lot of fun working in the office. Yeah. He's one of, the, I mean, Kramer would be a great guy for office morale. You're not paying him. I would keep Kramer around forever in the office. <laughs> yeah. Just don't get me, have him do any reports. Right. Why couldn't they have him as like the mascot? I mean, he could just be in charge of fixing the copier. Yeah. So what would you have? He just like, uh, does he know how to fix a copier? He was just banging on it. I mean, I think it's entirely possible that he has no idea what he was doing. He was just breaking the copier. Right. I I wonder, like, could he be like the director of morale? Yeah, Uh, that's good. I mean, I feel like that that's fun. You sort of like bring him in as sort of like a uh, like a morale coach. Yeah, I think that would be good. I mean, could he be could he do Amanda's job? Like when she gets promoted, could he be the director of first impression? No, he can do he give you a great first impression. You can't put a phone at his desk and make him answer the phone. He'll be bad at that. No, but I feel like he could give you a good first impression. No, he would be terrible because like somebody would come in and he'd be like, well, what are you wearing? Like, uh, what's the like, uh, that's, you know, what, what, that, you can't wear that. Like, uh, well, you put on weight, you know, he'll, he'll just say incredibly crazy things. You sort of like want him to sort of like, you know, be fun and hang around in the office. Right. And also someone would come in and be like, hey, I'm going to lunch. And he'd be like, uh, all right, I'm coming with you. And it'd be like 1030 a.m. You know, he'd be out for the rest of the day and then they would get robbed. They would be like the doorman all over. Again. Yeah. So we end up seeing Jerry. He's on the date with man hands and uh, immediately sees uh, Jillian's hands. Uh, yeah. I mean, I want like, I, you know, because it's a blind date, he had no way of knowing. I wonder if the actress actually has big hands. No. I'm assuming not. I mean, they, from the notes about nothing, they talked about how they brought in like a hand model. I mean, it's definitely not uh, her hands. Did they bring in a female hand model? No, it's a male. Yeah, because they, I mean, obviously they do look like man hands. Yeah. But, um, but the, 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 they're just so big. Yeah, I believe they cast like somebody who was like sort of like a rugged man's like a hand model. Okay, sort of like George used to be before they got ruined. <laughs> but probably for like, you know, um, power tool catalogs and stuff like that. Like you want the, like these hands like holding a chainsaw. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So man hands, anything, any reason why you feel like that man hands, they wouldn't be able to do this in 2016. Would they get complaints man hands in 2016? Or you think that this is a timeless story? <sighs> yeah. I mean, I think yeah, I would agree if someone would say like, uh, we live in a post gender handed society, but I think. This is fine. I think this is this fine. Nothing about how, well, if I'm a woman, why do I have to have small feminine hands? Why can't I have, uh, you know, larger hands? What's wrong with my hands? She refer. Uh, by the way, man hands. The um, the actress on Twitter says she has tiny hands, tiny hands. Yeah, it's probably yeah. a thing that's followed her throughout her career. No doubt. Yeah. 
Now, I think you could do it. I think that probably um, you might have to change a thing or two. But I think that overall, I think you could still do the man hand story. I, I think that is definitely true. I mean, listen, I'm sure like uh, two broke girls does eight more offensive jokes every week. <laughs> we're we're assuming that everyone in yes. 2016 is super PC, but that's not even accurate. It's 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 a little bit of like a false stereotype. Like, yeah, if you were very mainstream, you might get some kickback for it. But, uh, you know, I don't think I don't think like they're getting canceled or apologizing for the storyline. No way. Right. So Elaine is back with Jerry. They are sitting at the counter in the diner. And so uh, Jerry is complaining. She had man hands. Yeah. And it's like, what, what does that even mean to someone who doesn't see them also? And it, like, is it bad that Elaine didn't notice them? Like, this is her friend. Yeah. I wonder if this might be a thing where uh, it can we take the opinions of the core four at face value? Go back to last week where you talked about how when one of the women, I want to say Carol was her name, that she shows a picture of a baby. Elaine reacts like uh, she's seen some horrible thing. The other two women look, react as if they are seeing a cute baby. Is it possible that maybe the hands are uh, 10% too big? And this is all in Jerry's imagination that the actual hands are the size that we're seeing. Here's the thing. It's a really good theory. Here's what I think about that. Elaine and everyone else in the gang has reaction to the baby, but we never see the baby and we see the hands. It's sort of from Jerry's POV, right? We're seeing the, the, the hands from Jerry's perspective only. So it could be made up, but it's it's a little bit different than the baby in that we're going one step further and we're actually like seeing giant hands. So if they're not, if she doesn't have giant hands, like the whole show can't be trusted because so much of it is seen from Jerry's perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder, cause we don't get another person to see or comment on the man hands. The only thing I would say in favor of the hands are, as we see them is that when Jerry's wrist is grabbed later in the episode. He is wearing a bandage on it as if yeah. a giant hand has crushed his wrist. Right. But he could. There's hypochondriacs also like kids do that every day. They come home and they're like, I need a bandage. I sprained my ankle, even though, you know, they're fine. Yeah. Um, the, the one scene that like a lot of episodes would have, but this one doesn't. There's too much going on is like she comes to Jerry's apartment, shakes Kramer's hands and he makes like a comment or like, you know, like recoils at the touch of her mo monster hands. And he's like, whoa, right, right. I would say I probably don't believe that this is a thing. Like just going back to the nose job where George has a girlfriend who he's looking at her nose. We're sort of looking at it through the fisheye lens, but other people are reacting, although there are other people in the core four. So I feel like that I need people outside of the core four to be reacting to something before I can say that it definitely is existing in this universe. We're really I, what you're saying is a really interesting theory, and I'm not disagreeing with you. But at a certain point, the mental illness we're prescribing them is getting pretty severe at this point. Yes, but could still be real. Oh, for sure. Yes. This is a great theory, but it's scary to think that it might be true. <laughs> yeah. And that's why that they end up sort of all, you know, together for, you know, they're sort of like they found each other and they're, they're sort of like they talk each other into these things left and right. It would be like if in high school, if like the nerds or like the geeks or like the, the gamer kids, whatever, like got together. Yeah. You know, it's like they, they found each other because they're so like minded in their like self-loathing, everyone else loathing, like mental illness 
And to speak to this, this sort of like power of suggestion within the group, just look no further than last week's episode where Jerry is not Gaga over Pam. Kramer comes in and says, Pam is the best. I'm in love with Pam. Pam is the dream woman. And Jerry suddenly finds her the same way that Kramer does. Right. So they sort of they they don't see each other through an accurate lens, but it's an identical lens. Yes. And it's one that is easily sort of transmitted from one to the other. Yeah. Fascinating. Very interesting theory. Yes. Okay. Jerry continues talking about how, you know, she's like some figure out of Greek mythology, uh, part man, part woman, uh, part horrible beast. And uh, Elaine asks him, would it be better if she had no hands at all? Um, And Jerry sort of gets very distracted. I, I don't like this character trait about Jerry that sometimes like we make him like re- really like um, easily distracted and childish where he starts talking about, like, you know, if she had hooks, that would be cool. Well, I, it's interesting. You don't like it. To me, this is just like a comedian doing a bit and riffing. Yeah. OK, so you don't think he's actually considering it? No, I not not really. I think it's just him like he'll take everything literally as a comic. He's willing to like. You know, yes, and because mm-hmm. he doesn't come across as like, hey, does she have hooks? I mean, that would, I mean, that you know, that might be good for some things. Like, he doesn't see, he seem like he's like being playful. He seems like he's actually now considering it. And I just got the impression of like that sometimes he just is like he can't help being a six year old. Yeah, but that's Jerry. He can help being a six year old. <laughs> he takes this stuff seriously. When Elaine, you know, ditches him later in the episode at the door to his apartment. He's like legitimately upset about the lady at the bank. And, you know, that's nothing to anybody else. But to him, it's like the most interesting thing to happen in that day. Mm-hmm. So Jerry is also supposed to pick up Elaine from White Plains. And uh, this is going to be a sticking point later on in the episode. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's pretty subtle, but I, I it is a turning point for sure. But yeah, you almost like forget that he's supposed to do that when she comes in later. It's like, what? Why is she mad? You don't know until she says it. <laughs> right. How does she get to White Plains? Well, she made Kevin leave work to help her out. Yeah. Okay. So that's she just went went to White Plains to test Kevin. Maybe she went to White Plains herself and then Kevin had to help like carry the boxes upstairs. It's not clear. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not well thought out. So uh, the next morning, uh, Kramer is getting ready for work. He's got to be at Brant Leland at nine and he's in a suit and he's making breakfast. Uh, Jerry has a funny reaction to this. He's like rubbing his eyes like, what year is this? Yeah, this is actually a really good scene. Yeah. Between Jerry and Kramer. (laughs) And he can't believe it. And so Kramer's talking about how he's been drifting through life aimlessly all of this time. Uh, And Jerry, again, has a good reaction to it. Like, uh, you know, now that you mention it. And so at Brant Leland, he has structure. He's getting things done. Um, Yeah. I I mean, I love the idea of like Kramer as as a businessman here. And Mm -hmm. really. Uh, like he really sells you. And it's funny when later when Jerry in the episode says you've been there three days, you almost think to yourself like, wow, it feels like it's been weeks that he's been there. Like you're really buying Kramer as his business person. Yeah, very quickly. Uh, where did Kramer get the suit from? Did Kramer have the suit? He probably went out and bought a suit. Only like that's the only way Kramer would spend money at a job that he doesn't make any money. Right. He probably bought a nice suit. And he tells Jerry he does not want any pay. He doesn't want to be compensated that what he's getting from it is structure. Uh, and Jerry asks, what are you doing there? He is TCB, taking care of business. Yeah, that's what you should have said at the beginning of this podcast, by the way. Here yeah. are two guys that always TCB. That's right. That's next week. We could do TCB. <laughs> so we end up getting a big montage of Kramer going to work. Season eight loves the montage. 
Yes, this is not our first montage already in episode three. Yes. And so uh, any highlights from the montage? Kramer, like getting on the subway, getting carried out. I mean, I love him eating the crackers, but washing his shoes in like the Poland spring machine is pretty funny. (laughs) All right. So Jerry is then at his apartment and he's having the conversation uh, with George uh, about how he has to go to out on the date with uh, the woman. He is to dress smart casual. Yeah, would you know what that means if someone told you smart casual? I feel like it would just be the same as business casual. Then really? I would I'm my style is more like dumb casual. Dumb casual. Like, that's how I would uh, define my dress. Style. <laughs> yeah, I'm more dumb formal. Really? You you're so formal? I don't think you're that formal. <laughs> you are you wearing like a ripped tuxedo? That's dumb formal. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, here comes Elaine. She's upset as you mentioned and it's like, "Hey, where were you?" And she was in White Plains waiting for Jerry to uh, pick her up. And he went out to go get the paper instead. I mean, of all of Elaine's gripes about Jerry, I feel like he is very helpful with her. And this is like really a one time incident. Yes. And so unfortunately that Elaine is upset with Jerry and basically uh, she's saying that's it. She's done with him. Kevin had to come pick her up. I mean, it's it's pretty sad here. Yeah. Like the, you slowly see Elaine sort of like turning from them and it's like a car wreck you can't turn away from. It's very sad. It is Elaine, very sad. You know, turn heel on them. And, and Elaine mentions how he is uh, so unlike Jerry. And so Jerry says, yeah, he's the bizarro Jerry. Right. And it's funny because like this is a Superman thing that's become much more famous because of Seinfeld. But would you have known bizarre world just from superman i would have because i used to watch a lot of justice league when i was a kid and mm. that was a, a character okay bizarro superman it's not he's not in any of like the marvel or dc movies bizarro superman right well no superman is in any of the marvel movies keith oh i'm sorry yeah yes. i'm team dc for life baby I don't know what means, but. <laughs> yes uh they have not adapted bizarro superman to any of the superman uh, movies that have been made whether it was the christopher reeve or the uh 2006 uh, superman returns or any of the Zack snyder superman so that might be fun to one day get to bizarro oh maybe that's that's what we could do after seinfeld we'll write a script for uh, bizarro superman we'll pitch it to which one has the superman rights uh that's dc dc and it'll be bizarro in the fact that this will be a good movie the one we make yes uh, Bizarro Superman versus Bizarro Batman. Actually, I believe that there is the uh, Lego version of that uh, has uh, already been adapted. And my son is a big fan of the Lego superhero shows, but they're like animated. Okay. Yeah. If there's ever if there's ever like Superman versus Peppa Pig, my son. <laughs> yeah, we get them on iTunes. So yeah, he, he loves them. But anyway, so we have now we're talking about the Bizarro Jerry and Elaine wants to know, does he say bad bye? Because Jerry says, yeah, he says uh, goodbye when he uh, arrives and he says hello when he leaves. Elaine wants to know, why doesn't he say bad bye instead of goodbye? I mean, it, once you start, this is a rabbit hole. You can never go, go like you can go down and never leave. Right. It's like if you want to do the opposite, like maybe you shouldn't say anything. Maybe you don't talk at all. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, the opposite is like, you know, maybe he like he's not toilet trained. He doesn't go to, to work. Like, you know what I mean? The mm-hmm. opposite of like. We're nitpicking. We could nitpick all day with the opposites. Yeah. Elaine wants to know, does he live underwater? Is he black? Yeah. So, uh, you know, very funny stuff. Yeah. Good scene. Kramer comes in. Boy, what a day. He has had a rough day. He goes right for what? Jerry keeps Johnny Walker black in his kitchen. Yeah. Well, maybe Kramer 
keeps Jer- <laughs> like you know it, it might be Kramer's, but Jerry, it's in Jerry's house. What happened to the Hennigans? Yeah, he's all out of Hennigans. They they don't sponsor the show anymore. <laughs> I guess so. And um, boy, old man Leland was really busting Kramer's hump today. Yeah, I love the idea that even the CEO is like. I mean, I guess we learn at the end that he did know he doesn't work there. Yeah, but it's pretty funny that like the CEO knows he doesn't work there and is still like bugging him about work. Yeah. And so Kramer's going to leave. He says, can you keep it down to a low roar? Some of us have to go to work in the morning. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of like, uh, you know, George is like the crazy roommate who's now become the, uh, you know, the workaholic. Yeah. All right. So we go to the club where George is with Amanda and people are curious. How did you get in this place? Uh, I do have to say, I said it in the season eight premiere, but I do think uh, Jason Alexander is still looking uh, pretty svelte. Yeah, he looks a lot better than than Gene. Yeah. <laughs> Gene is a nerd. <laughs> so uh, here's a picture of his fiance, Susan. And then uh, women are immediately asking him to dance. I mean, is this some sort of a violation? I mean, he came there with Amanda. That's his date. Now, other women want to go out with him. Yeah. And Amanda doesn't seem too annoyed. But once like, first of all, George is still like, uh, you know, a fat, like bald dude, short, bald dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and second of all, um, like George doesn't care. Like he clearly is just using Amanda to like get into this club. And now he thinks he has uh, like unfettered access to it. Yeah. So what do they just think that this guy must have something going on? He's probably like a wealthy uh, individual or something like that. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, even though George is maybe not like the best looking dude on the planet, like especially pre-internet or pre like real internet. This is 96. It's like AOL 1.0 or something. Mm -hmm. Just say you're a Yankees executive like that alone might get George into the club. It might. It might. You know, um, so we go back and see Jerry on the date with man hands. A lot of funny visual gags uh, going on here. Uh, man hands is like ripping a loaf of bread in half. Uh, then uh, man hands is uh, taking the cap off a of beer. Jerry says it's not a twist off. I would find it hard to imagine that a Budweiser is not a twist off top. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not a beer expert. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, he has something on his face and it's an eyelash. Uh, and so uh, that it was a funny moment when she tells him to make a wish and he looks down on her hands as uh, it didn't come true. Yeah. And this is that's a sitcom thing where like he says it loud enough for the for us to hear it, but not loud enough for the person three inches away from him to hear it. Yes. And then finally, man hands just like rips a lobster in two. Well, since I've never had lobster or seen lobster being eaten, even is lobster not finger food. Like, how does this work? So, I mean, if you were getting, usually they give you like a bunch of tools uh, to, if you were going to get like a whole lobster that are sort of like a nutcracker. And then there's like some like metal skewers and stuff like that, where you sort of like are cracking open the shell with the tools and maybe you might pry it with your fingers. But I think that if you were trying to be in polite society there's like a little lobster fork i think you would use to sort of dig out the meat you wouldn't be cracking the uh crustacean is it a crustacean i don't know you wouldn't just crack the whole thing in half at the table this sounds like horrible like second date food oh yeah i mean it's not a great date food no i wouldn't think so like once you're already a couple that's one thing but like such so early on for you to order the lobster from what it sounds like it's like (laughs) You know, it's like chicken wings, right? You don't want to have like... Right. Man you know, hands doesn't like, care. She's like, she, uh, you know, nothing bothers her. Right. And maybe she assumes that like, you know, the type of guy who dates her is like super into her hands, you know? Maybe. Like, to, to them, if that's like their thing. 
uh, than like her ripping the bread. It's like that's exciting to them. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I bet she could give you like a hell of a massage if you, you know, were like yeah. uh, had like a bad back or something like that. Yeah. You know who would really be into man hands? Who's that? Bizarro Rex Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. You're right. <laughs> so uh, we now go back to um, the return of Reggie's. And here is uh, the uh, Bizarro Jerry Kevin at at Reggie's uh, with Elaine. I love Reggie's. It's funny that it was not implemented in this episode because like if it wasn't, they almost would have had to create it for this for this purpose, like the fake monks. Mm hmm. But I like that we have this like standby, like already fake restaurant that we could just go to. Yeah. And so here comes uh, some of uh, Kevin's friends. Uh, we have uh, uh, Gene and Feldman, uh, the Bizarro George and the Bizarro Kramer. Yeah. And they really did a great job getting, you know, people who look a lot like uh, Kramer and George. That was clearly like the first, you know. It wasn't like you don't even know how to act. You just need to look like Michael Richards and Jason Alexander. Yeah. Now, this is the second time in Seinfeld history that we've had George and Kramer doppelgangers uh, with Jerry yeah. going back to the pilot. I think this is interesting yes. that once again, we have people who are not necessarily uh, the same as George and Kramer and Jerry. I mean, uh, but now we have people we didn't have somebody playing Jerry, obviously, in the pilot. But now right. we have more kramers and georges in this universe yeah it is weird that there are you're right that there's th- essentially three kramers and three georges that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah i mean this is gonna be uh, a whole glitch in the space-time continuum uh yeah this is like this the opposite stuff can hurt your head if you really think about it yeah okay so uh, meanwhile jerry and george are at monks and george is bragging about how at this club there were models as far as the eye can see uh jerry would like to get in uh, yeah. I mean, do you think clubs like this really exist? Like, it's a meatpacking district. I feel like they do. So there's like sort of like just like startup clubs, like the way they they pop up and appear, or there's clubs that like only models are at. Yeah, no, I think both. I think they're like startup clubs that that are like it's a pop up club that's going to get shut down. Uh, you know, maybe when the when the new like actual meat factory comes in, mm-hmm. or like they use like a different part of the building or something, but uh. I feel like this type of place exists. I'll take your word for it, Keeve. Uh, I am. Oh, I've never been to a club in my life. You <laughs> yeah. probably have. Not the club expert. By the way, speaking of, do people still have the club on their car? Oh, um, I don't think so. I don't think many people do. I think it's sort of passe. Yeah, that used to be big, but I, I don't even hear about the club anymore. Yeah, I think that any car that's nice enough to steal doesn't have it. So I think that pretty much people are like, if you're putting it on your car, it's probably like an older car anyway, and nobody wants it. So it's sort of like, uh, you know, nobody with like a car worth stealing is using it. What's funny is my car that I had in the city when I was like in college and then post-college was like a 1995 Grand Marquis. That was my grandma's that like someone drove up from Florida after she passed. And then like it was like, you know, 10 and 15 years old. Um, And we had the club on it. But like, I'm sure like thieves walked by and be like, ha ha ha, like what a waste of the club. Uh, Like I would first of all, I could I'm sure could break you know still break into the car with that dumb club and two, like why would i break that like piece of garbage car it was literally at the end you know worth like four hundred dollars yeah no nobody with a car worth stealing has the club and if i'm wrong send me a picture of your car with the club yeah and we'll judge your car and see if it's nice <laughs> enough for a club all right let's go back to reggie's and this time gene is going to pick up the check at reggie's uh and uh, he says don't worry about it 
Uh, yeah, and it's funny because like Jerry, I guess obviously George is stingy and Kramer doesn't have any money, but Jerry like picks up a lot of checks. I think so. Um, but this time it's Gene Feldman has an idea. What about an alarm clock that automatically tells you the weather when you wake up? Is this actually a good idea? Yeah, in 1996, it's a very good idea. Obviously, now it's not. Yeah. Uh, and Feldman says, nah, it's not practical. I can't do it. To be fair, I, even, I still leave my house not knowing the weather and I'm dressed inappropriately <laughs> like in the winter all the time. Yeah, uh, that it's not that big a deal uh, in uh, Los Angeles. It's sort of like, uh, you know, you sort of like uh, whatever it's, it is, then you just you sort of know it's going to get warmer and then it's going to get colder again. Look at this guy bragging. Uh, it's not a brag. It's not bragging. I'm just telling you what it what it is. It's not it's not that big a deal. I mean, I don't think I've ever. So there's never a day like in the winter where like okay, I need long sleeves or something. Well, I, that, it, there's never a day where I'm like uh, confused about if I'm going to. It's like if I wake up and my house is really cold. I'm like okay, well let me. See. It's it's not like there that uh, I'm going to be too. Uh, you know, you bring a bring a light jacket. You'll be fine. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, okay. So meanwhile, uh, the Bizarro Jerry crew, are they're going to go down to the library and go read? I mean, I like a lot of their good qualities, like fighting over the bill are good. Like going to the library and reading as a pair is, is like a bunch of weirdos. It's, it's too like weird. Weirdo move. It's too weird. Yeah. They should lock them up. Yeah. I know it's a different time. I, I'm not anti libraries. I'm not anti getting books from libraries at all. But like going there to read, like get the books out and take them home. Yeah. All right. So meanwhile, Jerry and Kramer are eating breakfast and Jerry is talking and Kramer is reading the paper and Jerry is talking about how those meaty paws. He says, I feel like I'm dating George the Animal Steel. This is a very funny yeah. callback or or, yeah, a re- I, or a call reference. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I love that uh, Jerry is like the wife in this scenario. And mm-hmm. George is the, Kramer's the husband. Yeah. And so uh, he's telling Kramer, put the paper down. You don't have to listen to me anymore. I like that. Kramer just goes right into it, like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I get like the hives watching this scene. It hits too close to home. <laughs> yes. And Kramer is saying like, why are you starting with me? You know, this is my crazy time of year. Uh, and Jerry says, it's your third day. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good joke. I mean, it sort of like plays with the reality of the show for the purpose of the joke, but I still like it. Yeah. All right. So Kramer is leaving. Call me if you're going to be late. All right, here comes Elaine, and she left her address book on the counter. And what time of day is this? You mean, shouldn't she be at work? Isn't she, like, running the company? Uh, Yeah, or call, like, hey, did I leave my address book on the counter? Okay. There's not a lot of, like, ooh, let me call first. There's a lot of, I'm just going to show up. Yeah. And maybe Peterman's office is right next door to Jerry's house, but I don't know. But if she's in charge, then no one's watching where she's going. She could come out, go out all the time, no? But it's, I mean, Kramer's going to work. Yeah, right i guess yeah i don't know i don't know what elaine's deal is yeah okay and so she's talking about how that she's been to reggie's uh and jerry uh you know deduces the bizarro coffee shop and how the, that the bizarro jerry and kramer and and george are good people they read books i like how reading books is like the definition of a good person like you know who reads the most books everyone in jail yeah that's right and also probably a lot of like uh, Unabomber type people. Totally. Yeah, yeah. All they do is read. All they do. They're doing a lot of reading. And yeah, I would say people who read. I mean, I read a lot, but I don't read books. I read like like, you know, online stuff. Blogs. Um, yeah. Do they still make blogs anymore? I feel think like more pieces. like long reads. And yeah, a lot of think pieces. You know, a lot of like, you know, what's really been an epidemic on the Internet in the last few weeks that's out of control. Mm, fake news. Well, that's true. But yeah. the, the, the tweet storms like. 
you're like, let me tell you something about, oh, you know, like 10 tweets in a row. Jerry. And it's like one slash 67. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do one about the Seinfeld episode after the podcast. <laughs> okay. What are you going to say about? I don't know. Like, here's here's 60 different things that would be completely bizarro and different if they were really the bizarro Jerry. They wouldn't live in Manhattan. They would live in Queens. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that's really just stream of consciousness? Or do you think people like write them out ahead of time? Oh, they're planned because it's always like bang, 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 bang. Like you put them all in and then you just enter, enter, enter. Yeah, it's 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 always planned. I, I really like if Twitter could block those out, I would I would do it. I've never. And, and then there's always someone who like arrow like they say this, which you should actually go to jail if you write this on Twitter and then do a retweet. And, and right, right. The retweet and you add this or like you point an arrow under that's mm-hmm. it, like should be at least five years in prison if you do that. Mm hmm. Uh, the tweet storm itself should be at least like, uh, you know, six months in jail. But the people who are like, this is a must read. And then you're up to like number four of 82. And it's like, no, this is this is really boring. Yeah. There's never been anything interesting in like one of these yeah. tweet storms. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to do the first one. We just got to think of it. Keith, what about an alarm clock that tells you what the forecast is for tweet storms? <laughs> I feel like this week there's been more no joke in the last month than the previous 10 years. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, yeah, you shouldn't even get out of bed. Yeah. Um, like the tweet storms are going to be heavy on your timeline. Um, the, you know, I, I would stay away, stay in bed. Yeah. So Keith, something interesting is going on here where Elaine is talking about, look, I can't spend the rest of my life coming into this stinking apartment every 10 minutes to pour over the excruciating minutia of every single daily event. And I do think that we are starting to reach what is beginning to feel like the end of Seinfeld as the characters are expressing this Elaine in particular. Yeah, it's very meta. I agree. It hurts to hear it. Yes. It's like, it's like if we were just talking about high school, if we were like on a high school football team and we were talking about it every day, then it's a little goodwill hunting, right? It's like, I want to wake up one day, like, and pick you up. And then you don't answer, you know, when, when Ben Affleck says to Matt Damon, like, and the best day of my life will be the day you don't answer the door that you're not here anymore. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. So it's a little bit like Elaine is the Matt Dame. She's the only one who has a chance of getting out of this <laughs> place. Uh, like Jerry and yeah. Kramer aren't going anywhere. George isn't going anywhere. Uh, so it does hurt. This is like if you want to see the good guys win, this is probably like the like people who hate awkwardness, like The Office or Curb Your Enthusiasm or, you know, they always want to see the good guys win. They probably hate this episode because it's sad. Mm hmm. Yeah. And Jerry goes right into like, oh, you mean like this time I was at the bank and then the teller gave me this weird look and Elaine just has to walk out. I got to go. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, no self-awareness by Jerry here. I hear I feel Elaine's pain. So George is getting ready to go out. I really like how he has a picture of Dennis Franz hanging uh, behind him and he's blow drying his hair and the phone rings and he goes and it's Amanda he ends up breaking up with her. This is a runner throughout the episode of like, I think we should just be friends. Uh, we see three different breakups in this episode where people say we should just be friends. They probably should have figured out a way to use it in the Kramer uh, getting fired from the office storyline. If we're going to really nitpick, but that's, that's actually not a bad point. He said to Brant Leland, like, let's just be friends. And Brant was like, eh. yeah, good idea. <laughs> and so uh, that he ends up dumping her and then meanwhile, his photo ends up getting burned up. Why did he have the photo of Jillian in the bathroom? I don't know. I'm, well, I don't want to think about that. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I it, like he just keeps it on his person at all times. It's a good question. I'm yeah, not sure. I really the Franz po- poster is amazing. It holds up today. If there was a 2016 sitcom and the guy was styling his hair after Dennis Franz, that would be a good joke. Still funny. Okay. Yes. So, and this is, you know, peak France, uh, Dennis France at the height of his powers, 1996. Oh, yeah. This was like NYU TPD Blue was showing butt every week at this point. <laughs> yeah. So Jerry is back at his apartment with Jillian and he's trying to break up with her. He just uh, wants to be friends. She wants to know if you want to go see a movie. He's like, ah, I wish we could. But now we're just friends. Uh, so she has to go wash her hands, uh, spends a very long time washing her hands. Jerry does say to her, hey, there's a beach towel on the rack. It's a little too mean. It's OK not to like want and the reason he probably doesn't want to be friends with her other than the fact that he says who needs friends is like he hates the hands so like it has no like if he's seeing the hands it doesn't matter if they're dating or not i mean maybe it does but like he just wants the hands out of his apartment this is a little too mean the beach towel comment yeah i don't think it she understands uh why it's mean oh no this is one of the sick another sitcom thing that she doesn't even hear so george calls up uh and he's frantic and uh this is always a classic when this happens where george is like jerry 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 uh and he always says uh who is this (laughs) yeah but at the end of the day like elaine is complaining jerry's a bad guy like he'll do anything for his friend yes this isn't a good thing to do stealing a picture from this lady's purse but like he's taking a bullet for jerry how many pictures does manhands carry of herself on her person yeah, it's a good question, right? I guess. I mean, it's not like she's a model. Like, if it was a model, then maybe they have a spare headshot just in case. I don't know. Like, yeah, she writes for an L.L. Bean. Right. She's right. She doesn't even that doesn't even like pose for them. It's kind of strange. Yeah. OK, so uh, will you take me to the club if I get you the picture of man hands? Yes. OK. And so he's going through her purse. Shades of uh, Dolores when he is going through and trying to find her driver's license as well. Yes. And that he gets busted. Manhands just grabs his wrist. Um, yeah, I mean, she was really quick out. Like, she might have big hands, but she's also got big uh, feet because she, she got out of the bathroom pretty quickly. Yes. Uh, she is uh, not like uh, Jay Samaro <laughs> in any does. way. She's uh, quick no. and has big hands. <laughs> this is the first Jay Samaro reference. On Jay the, Samaro, uh, on uh, yeah, another uh, fan favorite of uh, the Bizarro Rex Ryan. That's right. Um, I think zero people got that joke besides the two of us, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I do it for you. All right. So Jerry is then uh, sitting in the dark apartment uh, that he's just waiting for Kramer to come. Really a uh, psycho Jerry at this point that he's waiting for Kramer to come home. And he's sitting in the dark apartment with a plate of chicken. It's very like 1970s sitcoms. I feel like like Mary Tyler Moore show would have someone sitting in a dark apartment. You rarely see it anymore, but. It feels like an older sitcom, that scene. Yeah. And he comes in. We're worried. He said you were going to call and uh, you cooked and uh, Jerry ordered takeout. Kramer's also developing an ulcer, Keeve. Yeah, I hear you. I think I think I am, too. <laughs> oh, no. I don't mean I don't know, but I just feel like I am. Really? Why? Like, it- I feel like I'm there. I don't know. Worse. I, I, I got a lot of stress. The Jets. All these kids. What is it? No, I feel like the Jets have like knocked the ulcers out of me. I don't even care anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of kids. That's true. A lot of kids. Boy. Oh, well, Keith. people said because last week I said we were having another kid and people were like, well, you really like drop that quietly. And I was like, this isn't my first kid. It's not like right. It's exponentially less exciting every time. Right. It's know? like marriages. Right. 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 Like I mean, we've discussed this before, but a fourth marriage that's like, you know, you, you don't even send invitations. Yeah. You just go to like the county, you know, courthouse and, and get married. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
All right. So then uh, Kramer and Jerry end up making up and uh, they're going to go out to the diner. They're going to go to the coffee shop. Heartwarming scene. Heartwarming scene. Okay. So we see then Elaine on the street and uh, Jerry, George and Kramer are walking up to her from the other direction. Kevin, Gene and Feldman are rapidly approaching. It's really a tremendous iconic scene here. And they do a great job of showing you, like, even though obviously every single person watching the show, right, is rooting for Jerry, George and Kramer. Mm -hmm. They show they do a great job of making you realize, like, oh, yeah, these are like horrible people who are like obsessed with stupid minutiae. Yeah. I also just want to mention that Jerry now has the bandage on his wrist, as as we mentioned earlier. Yes. Um, From man hands. So uh, it's just such a great line that George says to Elaine to like as she's like deciding which way to go. Uh, he says, like, uh, you know, maybe she can get me another picture of man hands, uh, which is really uh, so funny that, you know, it's like, here are these idiots talking about man hands with their stupid capers. And then here are Kevin, Gene and Feldman. You know what it is? I, the only thing I can compare it to is like you always say you don't have any friends, so I guess you have no way. But what if it was like you're like school friends meeting your camp friends and you're like, hey, guys, don't embarrass me around my. Like the camp friends, like, hey, don't embarrass me around my school friends. And then, like, you hear what they're talking about, and it's, like, super nerdy, and it's not something your school friends would talk about. And and you're like, oh, this is like, oh, they're going to think they're the biggest dorks. Mm-hmm. I, don't know if, I don't know if this is anyone can find this relatable, but this is how I always felt watching this scene. Yeah, I don't have camp friends or school friends, but I do. I am yeah. following what you're saying. But what about your, like, imaginary school friends would meet your imaginary camp friends? Yeah, that would be like, awkward. That guys, be- like, don't mention Star Wars that much. Right. Right. So... I, I, I can I can understand I can put myself in that situation and so uh, ultimately uh, that uh, you know and Elaine's asking you know uh, what happened uh, to your arm uh, and he says uh, that you know um, the man hands almost ripped the arm out of the socket uh, and Elaine's just she's had enough yeah no guys sure. I gotta go <laughs> the Pepto Bismol is great. Yeah. And George wants to go. Why does George, what does he see over there that he wants to go with Elaine? I mean, he's just like a troll and like a heel. And this is like his bad guy move that he's like, I'm going to ditch. I'll ditch anybody. Right. It's such a George move. I love it. I guess. And like, it's he's like trying to be a heel turn and like being rejected is really, uh, you know, the, the uh, you know, Vince McMahon himself couldn't have written this. Yeah. And I guess it's similar to everything going on with the nightclub where he doesn't want Jerry to be there. He wants to be the only person there. So I guess this is, again, the same sort of idea of here's something better going on. George is going to jump off a sinking ship. Yeah, it's exactly what he's doing. He's, he's showing his cards and uh, it's like it's like uh, to make a survivor reference. This is like. You're in the minority alliance and it's like six to three and you're one of the three. And you're like, hey, guys, I'll be one of the seven. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we already have it. Like, oh, we don't. Yeah, we don't need you. You're next, by the way. You're next. You're, you're going out next week. Yeah, Find we already have a George is the line mm-hmm. is the line Elaine gives. OK, so uh, Mr. Leland uh, with Kramer, uh, your work stinks. Uh, Kramer says he's having trouble at home and he'll do whatever it takes. But uh, Leland is uh, pretty convinced uh, that these reports are if he has no business training at, at all. Yeah. I mean, I wonder like why Leland, you know, like Leland, like why didn't he just call like you know, security, get him out of there? It's yeah. funny that like if his work was good, he'd be willing to let him work for free, but it's not. So he, he's not. But my favorite part of this whole thing is that Kramer just like comes back with, well, I don't even work here. 
And Leland says, well, that's what makes this so difficult. (laughs) Yeah, there really are a lot of great jokes in this episode. (laughs) All right. So Kramer's all done at Brant Leland. And so George is back at the nightclub. And now he I guess, you know, he's I I don't know why he broke up with this Allison, because now he's there just like hitting on women and he hits on a woman and she says, like, what are you even doing here? And he shows her a picture and she wants to know, did you cut that out of a magazine? Because that's me. What are the chances, Keith? Uh, the chances are impossible. But George should have said, I know. Like, uh, I, you know, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. I guess this wouldn't have worked. Uh, there's nothing he could have said. Like, he could have said, like, I know I was testing you. But then why does he have a random magazine picture of her in his pocket? Then he just seems like a serial killer. Probably right. even worse. And then uh, Bouncer says, private party. Let's go. And they th- throw George out, out the door. Hard for the good guys really take it on the nose in this episode. All right, Keith. So here's where things really reach another level. We go to the Bizarro Jerry's apartment. Uh, yeah, everything, you know, this is where most of the bizarre stuff comes in, right? Everything is literally the exact opposite. Past the point of realism, but whatever. What are you going to do? Okay, so it's basically Jerry's apartment, but it's completely laid out backwards. Uh, there's also some nice touches where there is a statue of the Bizarro Superman. Instead of the regular Superman, there is a unicycle Instead of a bicycle, uh, Bizarro Jerry has pictures of horses instead of cars. Uh, yeah, there's like a lot of little things that like I'm sure if you really like freeze frame and pause that you'd notice also, I'm sure. Yeah. And so that Elaine uh, is, is there and uh, that they have a lot of locks on the door. It's very hard to get into Bizarro Jerry's apartment. Right. Uh, you know, very, a very paranoid guy. Unlike Jerry, who barely like Jerry probably doesn't even lock his door most nights. Yes. And so then uh, there is everybody is over there reading. And so uh, there is Elaine going into the refrigerator. She takes out a jar of olives and just starts eating them. And Kevin is uh, besides himself. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it is like a weird move in that, like, yes, of course, she's comfortable enough with Jerry to go over to their house and see what's going on. I have like friends who I'd be very happy to like go into the fridge and take their food, but I'd probably at least say like, even if I didn't ask and be like, hey, can I take something? I would probably announce that I was taking something, yeah. you know? The problem is, I think, here for Elaine is she's in the Bizarro Jerry apartment. And I think that the familiarity she has with Jerry over these past seven years, I think on some level has transferred over to in her Bizarro mind. Jerry. Right. In her she mind. She feels yeah. as though, oh, this is the same exact thing as the being at Jerry's house, except that these people aren't terrible. And so she's acting exactly the same way as if she was at Jerry's house, not the way she might act if she was at people's house that she doesn't know very well. Right. It's a good point. If Elaine really, you know, the same way Jerry said, what about bad bye? Or she said, what about bad bye? She should realize everything they do is the opposite. So she should be expecting these and like acknowledging, like accepting them a little bit more. Yes. She doesn't realize that she fits in with the regular Jerry, George and Kramer. She can't mesh well with the bizarro Jerry. Right. She's going to have to get used to a whole new lifestyle. Yeah. And so there's a knock at the door and they're always like, uh, who is it? Uh, it's Feldman. And like, from across the hall, like, oh, OK. <laughs> uh, they, I think that happens yeah, very, twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's very funny. These people are monsters. Yes. Uh, like, who would want to hang out with them? They're dorks and they're like mean. Polite. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you say they're mean? They're mean to Elaine. Well, they don't let it like he's like, whoa, you just took from the fridge without asking. Like, that's a jerk move. I. Even though it's weird that she took it, you should never say anything. Yeah. She'll be like, make yourself feel at home. What do I care if you take two olives for? Okay. Well, here's Vargas, the FedEx guy. 
and they do sort of like the Jerry. Hello, Vargas. Hello, Kevin. And they just laugh about it. I'm not sure why that's funny to them. Yeah, I don't know. And like, it's weird that Vargas. I know that everyone else looks the same, but shouldn't Vargas be skinny? Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, Bizarro Kramer is tall. Yeah, I know. So it doesn't really work, but it would be funny if he was like really thin. Yeah. And so uh, they are just, uh, you know, great friends. They're going to watch a ball game uh, this weekend. And uh, Kevin is just says to himself, Vargas. He loves him. Loves Vargas. What a good guy. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the names they gave uh, Bizarro Newman? Var- you like Vargas? I like Vargas. Uh, Feldman? Feldman is fine. Feldman sounds like it's a rejected Kramer name. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gene is fine. G- George does look like a Gene. So I like in Guess Who? George would be Gene. Yes. You know, so I, 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 I totally that's totally fine. I'm cool with that. All right. Big news. Uh, Feldman got tickets for everybody to go to the Bolshoi and Elaine pushes him. Get out. A little bit too aggressive. Like the Bolshoi. How exciting is it? And this is a crazy push. This is like uh, I found a million dollars and I'm giving you some of it push. Yeah. And Elaine is like, oh, I'm so sorry. Is there anything else I can do? And Gene says to her, you know, uh, incredulous. Uh, haven't you done enough already? Yeah. I mean, they I really mean, what turn did on she her do? She quickly. ate the olives and then pushed uh, Kevin. Yeah. This is why they don't have a girl in their group because they're so demanding. You do two things wrong. You're out. Yeah. I feel like that she should have to. Uh, she. I feel like she had to have at least done a third thing wrong. Yeah, you're right. And usually these sitcom things work in threes. So maybe it happened off screen. But again, we say nothing happens off screen. So we're not sure. Yeah, we don't know exactly uh, what's going on. So Elaine is uh, kicked out of the Bizarro group. All right. So George and Jerry are then walking through what now appears to be a meatpacking facility. Yes, it's uh, maybe it always was. But George was never there during the day before. Yes. Uh, Jerry says, I guess the DJ booth was over there behind the bone saw. Yeah. And again, this like this, your theory from the beginning of the episode is amazing now because maybe this was in George's head. Hmm. The whole thing. I know the picture. I know the pictures there. But what if George was there, but there was no party? Hmm. Well, that's a little bit different. Like it, what I'm saying is that sometimes that they their imaginations run wild. I mean, this I is like completely delusional that he thought he was at yes. a club with right, different right. people that he was talking to on the phone. Yeah, it's fair. I'm not uh, like, the, yes, it runs deep, but the conspiracy may be true. This is really something we need to track over the next like 40 episodes yeah all right so they end up uh you know george is like what it was it was here and then uh, he sees the picture of the woman that he dropped on the floor yeah um classic okay so we have a uh, very interesting tag as well so we go back to the bizarro jerry apartment and uh, we hear sort of like bizarro Seinfeld music. Did you think that the music was the opposite of the Seinfeld music? Yeah, everyone, it's the it's uh rever- it's like the backwards version of it. Everyone does. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's the actual backwards version. So everybody is hanging out, and uh, so Gene found a phone that was giving free long distance calls. I don't know how he necessarily uh, figured that out. Yeah, maybe he was trying to pay for a long distance call, and they didn't let him. Yeah, yeah, I I was thinking the same thing. Kevin wants to know, what did you do? He says, well, naturally, I I called the phone company and reported the error. Yeah, George would throw this guy through a window if you found out about that. Yeah, Uh, here comes Feldman again from across the hall, and uh, he is bringing groceries to Kevin. Yeah, you got to pay his share. Yes, Uh, and then uh, Kevin gives everybody a hug. That's like a Seinfeld rule. No hugs, right? 
no hugging. And yeah, and it's like, ooh, maybe this is how the finale will end, you're thinking at this point. Right. Uh, and then Kevin finally says, uh, me so happy, me want to cry. Yeah. Uh, you know, to me, this is almost like if I was Jackie Childs in the finale, I would be like, look at the opposite of these people. They're worse than they are. So, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, add some spice to your life. Like, these people suck. So uh, just to touch on Kevin's last line of me so happy, me want to cry. That is in sort of like that's uh, how Bizarro speaks. He speaks in like very stilted, like broken sentences. He doesn't seem to know how to use any sort of grammar or anything like that. Oh, that's how my son speaks. Yes. So that's how uh, Kevin speaks. Like Kevin has like become Bizarro Jerry. Or a baby. Yeah. Now, do you find it odd that Kevin has a statue of Bizarro in his house? Does he worship bizarro must he must worship bizarro jerry yeah that's weird it's uh, yeah i mean like the bike is weird like that he also has the bike mounted on the other side Mm -hmm. there's some weird things but yeah listen it's uh, you know it's all pretend did did he go to jerry's apartment last week did we see him at all at jerry's apartment oh good question like did he model it is it like a single white female type thing i'm trying to think if he had any scenes where he went to jerry's place i don't think he did I don't think he did. I don't think Kevin came to Jerry's house. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, he did find Jerry on the street. Um, right. And then, you know, it's possible he could have been stalking him for years. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He could have. Uh, he definitely could have seen the inside somehow. Maybe he like befriended Kramer or something at one point. Yeah. The super even. Very possible. All right, Keith. Well, let's talk big picture of Bizarro Jerry. Uh, I know that you're very high on this episode. I am too. Uh, you want to go through our letter grades? Sure. Okay. Uh, Jerry does have uh, the rare, like, two storylines for Jerry between man hands and then also being second fiddle to uh, Kramer. Yeah, there's a lot of meat. Like, there second aren't a lot probably of probably like, not well, the, right, the right term. I know what you mean. Like, yeah. there's also, but there's so much going on that there's no, like, oh, that's a deer storyline. Like, what did he even have to do? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone has, you know, a, a, like an event and a half, even though there's, like, some main guest characters in this episode, too. Right. So, uh, I mean, uh, is there anybody that you say is not an A? Right. So Kramer, Brand Leland, definitely an A. Um, Elaine is like the center of it. So even, you know, even though she's more of like the, the facilitator, she's the point guard in this episode, still have to give her an A. Um, Jerry with Manhands, like Manhands is very classic. And then Iconic. he's got so much to do, so much besides Manhands. So you got to give him an A. And, you know, George with the fake club is, is you know, like man hands in the fake club would be like above average storylines on their own. And those are like the C and D stories, basically, you know, in, in this episode. So everyone gets an A. A's all around. OK, A's all around. So, Keeve, does that put yeah. Bizarro Jerry into the top nine for you? Well, do you want to guess since you normally guess the ranking? Uh, I'm going to guess it's just short. I'll say 15. Ah, uh, Good guess. Good guess. But no, it does make it to the top nine. Wow. We have another entrant. Yes. Okay. Entrant number seven. We got two more. I guess once I do, uh, I mean, it's possible I could wait till the last episode, but once I have all nine members, then I can, I'll just give the rankings one through nine. No, then we'll let people have to rank them one through nine. and It'll be a contest. Okay, fine. Well, <laughs> the con- the contest is already in there. Sure. Yes, yes. So I have to guess. Uh, rank Akiva's top nine Seinfeld episodes, the contest. Yeah, so the, the seven in the top nine for people who aren't uh, scoring at home, even if you're alone, the the marine biologist Hamptons contest Jimmy opposite soup Nazi and now Bizarro Jerry are all top nine. Wow, the Pantheon. Okay. 
Keith, let's dig into our top nine episode mailbag for this week, talking about our questions from the Bizarro Jerry. And uh, why don't we start uh, not with Johnny DeSolera, but uh, an update uh, from the soulmate from Jessica Z, who writes in, who says, in reference to Elaine's awful baby obsessed friends, Jessica writes, there's no way any of that would happen. But it has nothing to do with whether anyone involved is single or in a relationship or married. And kids are by no means such a definitive factor as purported in the soulmate. Rob brought up the pivotal point in that people have kids later in Los Angeles. And as someone who's the same age as Rob in this city, the majority of my friends do not have kids yet. And those who do have pretty young kids and still they tend to be focused solely on drinking and socializing with the other adults when they're hanging out with me. The truth is that these very specific friends of Elaine's flat out suck. They are terrible caricatures of absurd women lazily written to represent everything that Elaine is not. And also from Jessica's email, uh, she uh, mentions uh, the bizarro Superman, uh, which uh, she presented when uh, I saw her over the summer. So uh, thank you. Yes. Thank you very much to that. Uh, both me and Dominic are uh, appreciate the Bizarro Jerry. Uh, she also said scrun- scrunchies are out. She was, we were right last week. No yeah. one wears scrunchies. Even we know that. That's how yeah. bad it is if we know it. Something's out. Yeah. Yeah. Scrunchies are, are dead. Yeah. Uh, one one more update from last week. We were talking about Gaga, the, yeah. the game Gaga. And Peter from Chicago says he works at a school near Chicago. And Gaga Ball Fever has taken over the school. K through eight students flock to the Gaga Ball pit each recess and play the whole time. I get a headache each time they ask me to officiate if, you know, asking if another kid got out or not. There's a lot of debates in Gaga because like, did it hit your leg? If it's above the knee, I think you're still in. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a lot of, you know, like wiggle room in there. Yeah. Very little wiggle room. He also offers to be our elementary school sports correspondent. So okay. maybe, you know, we'll see if we need that again. Fair enough. All right. Let's get to Johnny DeSilvera, who says, I'd love to hear you two describe the bizarro version of the other one. Perhaps Keeve can describe the bizarro Alex Chester as well. Uh, so you want to tell me what is the bizarro Rob like? Okay. Um, I feel like the bizarro Rob is a, um, like a, a handyman, handyman, not, not like a handyman. Like you were, you're a con- like a construction worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like, uh, you're more of like an outdoorsman. You go on a lot of hikes on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, you're single. You have like, uh, millions of friends. See, the thing is that, but he's not the complete opposite. Like the bizarro Jerry still lives in New York. He still hangs out with two guys all the right. time. So, right. Like you live in Sweden. Uh, I, I feel like the bizarro Rob, like maybe like has like a newspaper column and uh, is like writing mm-hmm. columns all the time. Hates reality TV. Mm, yes. But, you know, blogs about what? Uh, like how terrible reality TV is. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know necessarily. <laughs> politics. All you do is talk about politics. Yes. He's married, but he talks about like what a great marriage he has. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. His, it, like his wife, he calls his wife his best friend. Every right. Time. Every time. <laughs> right. Some <laughs> stuff like that. And what's, what's the bizarro Akiva? Uh, bizarro Akiva. So what's the opposite of sports? That's what he's obsessed with. Uh, oh, that's so, good. I guess the opposite of sports is uh, is what? So I'm trying to think of like ballet. Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Something like that. Maybe some like the something in the arts uh, or and he's seen every movie and uh, Star Wars. <laughs> yes. Yes. Obsessed with sci fi. I think that's what it is. The bizarro, the bizarro. And he's ranked every Star Trek episode. <laughs> 
and Star Wars. He has tickets to see Star Wars Rogue One already. Oh man, and that's not even, when's that coming out? <laughs> Later this month. Oh, this year? There's yeah, another Star Wars. Oh my yeah, God. so he's seen everything. Um, yes, he's uh, never never watches an NFL game. No, it's too violent. Yeah, <laughs> too violent. Uh, he spends his. That uh, actually might be the real Akiva in a few weeks. The way the Jets are playing. Yeah. Also, Johnny wants to ask: Is Gene, if he's the opposite of George, do you think that Gene works for the Mets? Are the Mets the opposite of the Yankees, or are the Red Sox the opposite of the Yankees? I think the probably the Red Sox because it's more of like an inverse, not an opposite thing here. Yeah. Also, Johnny DeSavera wants to know if George was going to get desperate in the Forbidden City, why didn't he just bring in a picture of Susan? It's a good question too. Yeah, that's probably better than a picture from a magazine. I'm mean, Susan's is like a very attractive woman. That might have worked. Yeah, get a good okay. picture. Okay, uh, you want to take this next one, Keeve? Okay, uh, this is going to be a tough email, Rob. Yes, this is uh, Shona from also from Vancouver. Yes, uh, writing in, and she says, "I love how George has a poster of Dennis Franz in his bathroom as some sort of cool bald guy hero." Now I'm confused because I thought she thought that Franz passed away. No. He said, although he's passed away, James Gandolfini must have taken over as the coolest ball guy. So I felt bad for Shauna because I thought she thought that Franz was dead and Gandolfini was alive, which I, no. I was about to break it to her. But she just didn't put like I, the comma isn't necessarily like clear. Yes. You got to clear um, up the punctuation. Okay. So yes, Gandolfini became the Franz and now he's dead. And now Franz is the Franz again. Mm, there, there's a lot of cool bald guys. I think there's many cool bald guy power rankings. Uh, I know that you don't want to hear about uh, Patrick Stewart, but uh, he's had that mantle for quite some time. And then there's a, there's a number of other guys who have made um, the bald look. Cool. I guess they probably the patron saint is Michael Jordan now. Yeah. Michael Jordan. What about um, uh, Brian Cranston? Sure. He did, he did the bald look. Sure. Right? There's many people that have uh, pulled it off. So I think that Franz, uh, maybe for a fleeting moment, um, I think that, uh, you know, other people have pulled it off. Yeah. Franz could come back. Why what, don't you don't you wait? He's going to he's going to come back. What I does Matt so. in Massachusetts want? Uh, Matt in Mass says, why didn't George take the time to erase Jillian's stats that Elaine wrote down on the back of the photo? When the receptionist picked up the photo, you could clearly see the text on the back. And he lucked out that she didn't catch a glimpse of the other side. Well, that's a uh, lucky break. Yeah, he should have at least crossed them out. It was a little strange. Like, you actually physically see them. Yes. Okay. Uh, Dan, the benefactor. Yeah, he says as a night person, he wants to get on a soapbox about Kramer's hypocrisy uh, that he, you know, every morning person will agree. If you're going to scold people for being loud at night, then don't be loud in the morning when they're sleeping. It's the same thing. Just because the sun is up, Kramer doesn't have the right to loudly make breakfast and wake Jerry up. Jerry would have been less cranky if he'd gotten a full night's sleep. Yeah, I mean, the truth is, like, you have to know if, like, comedians sleep till noon. They're zombies, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you sort of have to know that. Like, it's like if you work for SNL and you'd, like, come over Sunday morning and be like, you know, those people probably sleep till, like, four after, like, the after, after, after party. Um, So it's a different lifestyle. I feel the same way sometimes. Like, I sleep, you know, I work late nights and sometimes and I have, like, crazy hours and it's like it doesn't go along with everyone else and no one's like, ooh. Let's be quiet because it's 830 because Akiva's still sleeping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's hypocrisy in the world, Keeve. Yeah. Uh, Caleb from Atlanta. What does he want? What does Brant Leland do? Anything? Maybe uh, they don't import export. It's a good like, uh, are they accountants? Maybe uh, maybe Chester might be able to uh, deduce that one. Yeah, I'm not sure. What industry has set up uh, Midtown? <laughs> yeah. Patton, Ohio says if Feldman is the Bizarro Kramer, what line of work? What, what would Bizarro Kramer's job be? I think. He does like dozens of odd jobs. He works like 16 hours a day. Yeah. So he's a 
handyman and he's probably some sort of a consultant, right? With lots of good ideas. He is like a full nine to five and he's like a small business owner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Feldman is a guy that you want to have around. He's a great neighbor. Yes, no doubt. Okay. Lindsay wants to know, do you think that Jerry's man hands freak out would play the same way today? It's pretty par for the course in terms of him being a terrible person, but I'm curious to find out if you think this would hold up. So we talked about this uh, a little bit earlier. Is she talking about in the terms of uh, the TV show Seinfeld or in a man in 2016? Would he be as freaked out over the man hands? Yeah, it's a good question. So we talk about Seinfeld. So I guess the better question is like in real life. If I said like, Rob, I had a date last night. Uh, it went well, but she has gross man hands. What would you say? I don't think you'd be like, oh, who cares? It's 2016. You're allowed to have gross hands. Yeah. Um, boy, uh, that would would ha- the hands would man hands be disqualifying for you, Keeve? I, I might not even ever notice them. Yeah. I'm not a big hand guy. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you don't, don't have any I, hands. You're right. I yeah, I have no hands. I, I you know, I'm not a big. No, I don't notice anything. I've said a million times. I don't know what color eyes my wife has. Mm hmm. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm not, a, you know, my wife said she once cut off like 12 inches of her hair and I didn't notice for two weeks or three weeks or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she she talks about that a lot. Like, I, I really I'm not very like attentive to detail with things like that. Well, yeah, for me, I feel like if everything else uh, of all the other uh, boxes were checked, I feel like I could get over the man hands. Yeah, I agree. It wouldn't be like it was the most attractive person on earth and they had man hands. I feel like uh, you'd suck it up. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, if you ever had like a jar of pickles, you couldn't open or something like that. Totally. Good person to have around. All right. Uh, What about Amir? So he says, while the scene of Kramer getting in the subway is funny, he's been living in the city for years. How is it possible he doesn't know the accepted practice that everyone gets off the subway car before going in? Seems impossible. I feel like Kramer's like me. He doesn't notice things like that. Yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't try to get on in peak hours or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, He also asked a question you asked, which is, why would Manhands carry around pictures of herself in her purse? That seems insane and almost reason enough to break up with her. Do you know anyone who walks around with wild sized photos of themselves? I feel like wild sized photos are dead now that we have phones that we could just like someone's like, hey, do you have pictures of your kids or your your nieces and nephews? Just bust out the iPhone. You're not you're not showing like wallet sized pictures. That's insane. You know, this is true. Even that we had pictures of our kids uh, taken recently and they give you like, OK, well, you get an eight by ten, you get like two five by sevens and then you get, you know, 12 wallets. Like who has wallet size photo? Like this is these are useless to us. What about the actual photos? Did you want that? Did you want hard copies of the larger photos? Uh, yeah, because you can put that on the wall. Yeah, you put them on the wall. My wife makes these like uh, like snapfish books all the time. Too. Oh, that my wife makes them all the time too. We have like a whole library. We have so many snapfish books. According to my wife, these things cost like one dollar every time I, I guess like another one of this. Oh it's, like, it costs like a dollar. Uh, do, do they have meetings where they make up these lies? Because I hear the exact same thing. It's like a, it's like they're it, uh, they're all free. And and it's like 30 hours for them to put the book together because they're like debating over every cute picture of the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Man hours. They could get a second job for all for all the time. They're putting right. these books. These is Make, hobby. Like, of- you could they could edit actual books. Right. Right. Uh, I'd like we should trade bo- trade books. We'll have a book club at some point. <laughs> a kid's a kid's book club. Yes. Like, sure. I, and then I'll get to know your kids and then you can know my kids. And then they could Great. then they could like, oh, that's a good idea. I like how they did that. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. All right, okay. let's let's close it out with Chester. Chester says, if this episode took place in 2016, they don't get access to that bathroom. You can't get past security in the lobby of any Manhattan office building. Yeah, not in a fancy place where Chester works, but I feel like there's places like 
I know where I live. You could get into those those places. Yeah. Also, Chester wants to know, why would a restaurant give Jerry a beer without opening it? What would the plan have been if Manhands wasn't around? It's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they noticed the Manhands, but that would really ruin our theory of like, she doesn't really have Manhands. So I'm not sure. Yes. Um, also, Jerry says it wasn't a twist off. So where's the bottle opener? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not sure. I, Chester, bring bring this. I mean, you. He hasn't any sleep. He just had a baby. We'll give him a pass for his weak question this week. Yes. Uh, and congratulations again to the to the Chesters on the new arrival. Yeah. Great. Great job. Three. Yes. Three sons. Yes. All right. Uh, Keeve, I see you pulled some reviews this week. Oh, uh, yeah. We got some iTunes reviews. Keep them coming, guys. Let's get to 200. OK. Postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes to get to the page to leave us iTunes reviews or subscribe to the podcast. Uh, any of them jump out to you, Keeve? Uh, yeah, Shevikum, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, his review is t- entitled The Winter of Keeve. He gave us five stars. He says, uh, love this throwback recap or throw cap. He had listened to Rob's various podcasts for some times before he gave this one a shot. For me, Akiva went from who the hell is this guy and why is he doing a podcast to becoming one of my favorite podcast personalities. That is the same for me, too. Yeah, who you st- like two weeks ago, Rob was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, uh, he's a sports guy who seems content to stay in bed for weeks at a time. So far, this is accurate. A pop culture enthusiast who's never seen Star Wars, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Goonies, I don't even know what Goonies is, or many other things that would consider, most people consider essential pop culture knowledge for someone his age. The resulting perspective is incredible. Since they're covering Seinfeld beat by beat, I wrote this myself, at a faster pace than the show aired, an interesting thing has, for me has been the feeling of time traveling through the 90s with Robin Keeve, while at the same time I'm binge listening faster as they produce the podcast. Oh, so he's in the middle. It might get worse for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm time traveling with them through the 2010s as well. Very nice of you. Very nice. Wow. Now I, now I want to read like a one star one to get my ego back down. <laughs> yeah. Do we have any that you pulled? No, they're all five stars. They're all five stars. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, then uh, just a couple other quick ones. Uh, this is from uh, Chris in DC uh, said, uh, so happy I found this in my post show recaps feed. This is fantastic. Love you guys. From Bambi Howard. Love the show. Akiva and Rob are great together. Love the banter and all the hot takes on Seinfeld. And uh, Layla Lee 43 said, uh, this scratches me right where I itch. All right. Yeah. Is there anything wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Keeve. Uh, what's the hashtag this week? What do you have any, uh, any options for the 140th week in a row? I didn't write anything. Oh, uh, I feel like that there was uh, something along a uh, bizarro Rex Ryan. Yeah. Bizarro Rex Ryan. There you go. <laughs> and it's not Rob Ryan, right? I was thinking is Rob the bizarro, but no, they're no, like, they're exactly twins, the same. They're, they're yeah. literally, uh, they're twins. literally not essential. <laughs> yes. They're literally identical twins. Yeah. All right, Keeve. Uh, well, great stuff. Once again, what's coming up next week? Next week, we got another really memorable episode. The little kicks. Elaine is dancing. Oh, good. Okay. And Jerry's a bootlegger. That's right. We got a uh, death blow. Yes. The final death blow. Uh, who will get the final death blow? So much coming up next week. So thanks again to Scott St. Pierre, the editor of the Seinfeld recap podcast, Mike Moore, who writes the recap. And of course, uh, to you guys who listen to all this nonsense and make it this far. Uh, we could not get to this point without you. That's true. If no one was listening, I feel like we would have given up by now. Yes. Uh, Keeve, uh, I was listening to the 32 fans podcast again uh, this week. Uh, yeah. Last week we did one from the hospital. Uh, Chester literally got kicked out of the hospital mid podcast by a very angry wife of like a seven hour old baby. Yes. Uh, I don't know what he left in, but dude, she was not happy. Yeah. Well, he, li- he literally got kicked out of the hospital room and then she like went and kicked him out of the hospital altogether and made him go home. But he was a hero. He came and he finished the podcast and he edited it. And he brings a microphone to the hospital. He brought his he brought his microphone to the hospital. He was going to do it while she was in labor if it was a long labor. but I don't think it was. But yeah, he really like he's dedicated to that podcast. Wow. He, you know, he like or or the opposite about his like 
you know, he'll do anything to get out of like dealing with a baby. Maybe that's possible. Okay. All right. Well, good stuff. Looking forward to getting back into it next week. Follow Akiva on Twitter at Keeve 26. I'm at Rob sister, you know, uh, Keeve, anything else? Uh, no, no. Uh, listen, I'm excited. This we're really in the meat of season eight. I'm very excited that all these episodes are so good. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Little kicks. Take care, everybody. Bye.